The Midwife Crisis Podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. I'm PR. And I'm Kate. And this is season two of The Midwife Crisis, because it's not just you. Today, we're talking about hair, whether it's on your head, your back, or anywhere, as it's a topic that affects everyone. And we're not talking about Merkins. I'm getting that (laughs) out of the way right now. I don't know why she's trying to ruin this for me. (laughs) She knows it's my thing. Yeah, it is. But, you know, this is serious because since we're talking about hair and we're talking about it from our our perspectives, um, wigs are important in my culture. And so that's why I had to take that merkin and throw it out the on the sidewalk because we're talking about real wigs. Do you feel like it's do you feel like it's something that um, more like white folks are taking from Black people, like black people wore a lot of wigs. I mean, I guess like Abraham, I'm not Abraham Lincoln. Who's the president who <laughs> wore a wig? Washington. Washington. <laughs> I guess they wore wigs too. I guess that is like sort of not specifically a black thing. But I feel like in more recent times, you see more, you know, like white women or, or just other women of color, even like Chrissy Teigen has just started wearing wigs. And I don't know. I think that um, we've been wearing wigs from forever um, because we can't always get we couldn't always get our hair in the kind of shape we wanted to have it in for whatever occasion or reason. Yeah. But the other thing is that so have white women and they've been wearing extensions and weaves and glue-ins and comb-ins and all that stuff. And it's very interesting how we're going to get into that, but it's interesting how um, when women of color started doing it, it became sort of an issue and a question and, um, and white women have been doing it for a long time. All these actresses who are in movies and th- th- their hair grew so fast. And Nicole Kidman, um, she's always wearing a wig. Is she really? Yeah, because she has re- that really tight, coily, curly hair. Right. So, yeah. I, I noticed in the last um, series that I saw her in that she had a wig on. And I just thought she was getting old and her, she was going bald. I didn't know why she had a wig on. <laughs> I didn't know it was by choice. Um but, you know, our hair, I think this is true. This is something that we can start out that's common for everyone. It's our crown. It's a source of pride for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's very disheartening and disappointing and depressing if you lose your hair as mm-hmm. a woman, as a female, as a person, or excuse me, as a, a trans woman, if you're losing your hair and you want hair on your head. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, when I say crown, I'm going to uh, get into that more detail. But as a just a, a fixture on the top of your your physiologic head that we feel enhances who we are, how we are and everything about us. Yeah. Um, early in history, I feel like so I'm going to talk about, you know, folks of color because I'm one of them. And this is a, a topic that's near and dear. And we could talk about this for hours. We're only going to be able to scratch the surface here, too. But early in U.S. history, we were we as people of color were influenced by Eurocentric standards of beauty, <clears throat> which led to um, a lot of uh, hair straightening, using lye products to straighten your hair, 
um, hot combs to straighten your hair, putting potions and pomades, grease and different things in our hair to get it to be a certain way. And it actually influenced how we comport ourselves. So we're not going to be running out in the rain. Like, let's mm. take a walk in the rain. No, that's not happening after you right. work so hard to get your coif the way you wanted it, mm-hmm. to get your, your hair the way you wanted it. And we're not going to be swimming mm. after you went through all that. And so times are, they have changed and we have evolved, of course, and we do swim now. And But you will notice that we tend to have braids, our mm-hmm. hair braided or locked or something that makes it easier to care for while we're swimming. So it's just really interesting. Um, the standards of beauty, and by that I mean who we see on the covers of magazines mm-hmm. and how their hair is and that kind of thing, just recently started um, showing us a mirror. Mm-hmm. Because all of these years, it's sort of like... I remember when I was in high school and I had a Farrah Fawcett haircut (laughs) um, because I had my hair um, relaxed and blow dried. And and I said to Kate, we should post some pictures of our hair over the years Mm. and how it has changed. Um, But anyways, that's something I think that's really important that um, our standards of beauty are not the same, yet we were trying to be accepted by the larger community. Mm -hmm. And so that that influenced us to um, wear certain clothes and have our hair done a certain way and that kind of thing. Now we're kind of our own own folks and people are copying our style. Um, but there are still little things that go on that are troubling. And one of them is hair touching. I have been asked more times than I can count, oh, can... Can I touch your hair? I was asked that when I had locks because mm-hmm. my hair was locked for many years. When I had a mohawk because the top was curly and the sides are were were shaved. Mm-hmm. When when my hair was long, all all of that, uh, it, folks, that makes us feel like you're petting us, mm-hmm. like we're animals on display. Don't do it. Don't ask to do it. And don't assume about it that you can do it. It's offensive. PR and I were talking about this last night. And from a healthcare provider um, perspective, anytime I have anyone, but especially a black person or a person of color now that I'm like, just say, listening to their lungs, um, if I need to move their hair, I ask first. I always ask because a lot of times they'll say, oh, yeah, it's fine. Or sometimes they prefer to move it themselves. themselves. Exactly. And so it's it's a huge thing that... um, that has changed for me because I've learned that from PR. Well, that brings us to another thing is that your real hair. Mm. And honestly, the first answer is it's none of your business. Mm -hmm. But the deeper response is sort of, do you ask that of Nicole Kidman? Do you ask that of other women who yesterday had shoulder length hair and now their hair is down their back uh, and it's blonde? We were talking yesterday about the Ariana Grande song where she goes, like my hair, gee, thanks, just bought it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'd love that song. Um, and once again, now it just went out of my head what that song is called. I wanted to give her props for it. Um, I can hear the tune, but <laughs> I can't call the song. I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll get it eventually. Um, so there are stereotypes uh, that have to do with natural hair. But before I, I think about that, 
I'm when I was a kid, I used to have long hair. And to get it washed, it would be like a two-day process. So my mom would wash it, then she would divide it all up and braid it. And you know, I would go outside and play and she would say something like, Stay in the backyard because your hair is a mess. And um <laughs> and then when it dried, then she would, you know, straighten it with a straightening comb or blow dry it with a blow dryer and put like grease on it. Y'all may know it as pomade. We call it hair grease and other products, wax products to make the little edges stay down and um, products that will um, prolong the li- the straight life of the style or whatever. Yeah, it was it was a process. It was like, oh, no, not time for that. And we don't wash our hair like every couple of days because we don't have the same kind of hair. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing for those of us who have weaves or um, extensions or to have that hairstyle in for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And um, someone like me, I don't really wash my hair per se, but my head is shaved. And so I just kind of wash it like I wash my face. But um, not with shampoo and doing conditioner and going through all those changes. So it just kind of depends on what's going on. But that brings me also to the whole question of good hair versus bad hair. Mm-hmm. And good hair, uh, quote unquote, as we were growing up, was hair that was curly or easy to comb. And people say to me, oh, you can wear your hair natural because you have good hair. Good hair? Hair is all hair is good. It's just the hair you have yeah. and the bad hair. With that comes a racial stigma of just hair that's hard to comb through, um, tightly coiled or kinky. And um, some of that that stigma has been changing. A lot of it's been changing, actually, because we have a lot of pride about our hair these days. But it, it's I've watched the evolution of that. Um, someone called Matthew Cherry made a um, wrote a book called Hair Love about the first time he had to comb his daughter's hair. Mm. And it he turned it into like a little um, um, a short, a movie short, and was nominated for awards for that. Chris Rock did a program called Good Hair back in 20. 20- 2009. And it was sort of a documentary that had to do with his daughter asking the question, why don't I have good hair? Mm. And oddly enough, that production, while it was good to see people and see them in their various beauty shops, braiding salons, barbershops, all of that, it didn't really, um, it didn't offer like all perspectives. It was just sort of kind of one-sided a little bit, but it was still good to have the exposure. There's a book I had from my daughter called Happy to be Nappy um, by Bell Hooks and Chris Roshka. And um, it's it was important to me that she feel, even though she has curly hair, um, that she feel like whatever hair she had, that it was just, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has curly hair, which, you know, people, black people thought was like, oh, that's so beautiful. She has curly hair. But then Puerto Rican people were like, why don't you do something with her hair? Why don't you blow it out and put some gel in it or something so it can look better? And she is who she is. And she she's worn her hair natural like just about all of her life. And, and it's very beautiful. And I think that's what's important to see the beauty in who we are. 
Um, There's something about textured hair, right? I mean, I feel like even in um, in in white people, there's a new sort of movement to like embrace the texture of your hair instead of, you know, forcefully blow drying right. it all the time. And if you have curly hair, leave it curly. Right. I have like this wavy hair where just recently I just stopped doing stuff to it. And sometimes I look like Professor Trelawney, the like crazy lady from... <laughs> from Harry Potter and it's not a good look and sometimes it looks great but it's my hair you know so I think it's I think it's a evolution for everyone um at this moment in time and maybe that's been brought on by you know the black community embracing their hair maybe that's that and I would like to for us to have credit for that but yeah that's great that people are starting to embrace their hair and if it's curly leave it curly if it's straight it's just straight stop and not permit that was really bad look <laughs> when people used to perm their hair. I had curly. a perm once. Woo! <laughs> I don't even know if I want to see that picture. <laughs> um, someone at work once asked me if she could touch my hair. And before I could even answer the question, she touched it. She just put her hands in my head. Mm. Something about that was so revolting to me that I went to the barbershop and had my head shaved. Now, I've had my head shaved at different points in my life, but... That day, I just wanted all of what she represented out of my head Mm -hmm. and out of my hair. Um, When I saw her another time at a social event, I went to hug her and I thought, this is my chance to get you back. And I'm going to I'm going to touch your hair without permission. And I gave her hair a little tug when I hugged her and it wasn't her hair. Well, it was her hair. She owned (laughs) it for sure. Right. But it wasn't hair that she grew out of her scalp because it started to come off. Mm. And I thought, oh, snap, don't pull her hair out. And it just made me feel a little bit more compassionate towards her, that her obsession with my hair, maybe it wasn't all racial. Maybe it also was just her her obsession with hair because she was clearly losing hers or had lost it. Yeah. So it's just sort of interesting. Um, so side note, uh, if you uh, folks have not heard or watched yet, there is a documentary by the New York Times about Britney Spears called um, Framing Britney Spears. And I'm an enormous Britney Spears fan. Mm-hmm. Love her. Hashtag free Britney. Um, <laughs> and in the documentary, they talk about when she, you know, sort of famously shaved her head Mm -hmm. and she talked about how she was so overstimulated and so like touched out Mm -hmm. like she just she did it because she didn't want anyone touching it she didn't want anyone touching her like she wanted people to just leave her alone and that resonates so deeply with me as you tell your story because it's I mean it's kind of the same thing she's like stop freaking touching me it is kind of the same thing (laughs) off of me in our community we said she shaved her head so she can get rid of all the evidence of (laughs) You know, because they can test your hair. For, <laughs> and we were like, yeah, that's what we do, too. But no, it's yeah, that's I appreciate that story and that sort of that connection. Um, someone said in a recent conversation that they feel like hair are biases in our own community uh, with our hair, with regard to our hair is worse than colorism in our community. Um, colorism, you know, like if you're if you're black, stay back. And if you're light, you know, you're all right kind of thing and everything yellow, you're mellow, brown, sit down or I don't remember exactly how the little saying goes, but um, that they felt that our hair biases and prejudices were worse than how we are towards 
uh, one another with regard to color. Mm. And neither are to be practiced, but it it, it happens. Um, I think it's interesting also to note that if you have people who are of darker skin from other countries, um, their tendency is to want their hair straightened and to want their... So like, you know, family from... Puerto Rico from Dominican Republic mm-hmm. want their hair like ironed out flat straight and um and are now there's a movement and in Cuba to try to get women to you know be proud of their hair and the way it is and they're so beautiful um but it's just amazing how big this is has gotten and it's actually a political issue I mean think about Michelle Obama and every time she did something different with her hair and mm-hmm. the comments that she got and don't let her wear it natural like when she would go on vacation in Hawaii and mm. they were like that's a first lady she looks a mess mm. and uh, she was just being judged at every turn um, but that back then and now bring us to the to the most recent, the newest Congress members who are women who are of color um, have all kinds of hairstyles mm-hmm. and hair types. And the Crown Act, which stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair, was passed first in California, but later by the whole House of Representatives um, in the 116th Congress. That Congress ended with Trump's presidency. And the Senate did not take action on it, so it is not a law. It's a bit, it was a bill, but now it has to be started all over. And the Crown Act, for those who don't know, it was um, created in 2019 or thereabouts, could have been a little bit before, by the Crown Coalition, which included Dove, um, you know, like your soap manufacturer, mm-hmm. and the National Urban League, the Color of Change, and the Western Center on Law and Poverty. And it was to ensure protection against discrimination based on race-based hairstyles and extended um, statutory protection to hair texture and protective styles like braids, locks, twists, knots in the workplace and public schools because people are getting sent back home from mm-hmm. work because you those braids are not going to fly. And from school, you can't wrestle like that kid in New Jersey unless we yeah. cut your dreadlocks off. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's uh, it was testified here in Connecticut about this month, uh, February, they, there was testimony on it because now at this point it's being passed state by state, the Crown Act. Um, and I've had my hair, and I've had it all kinds of ways, permed, relaxed, blow-dried, straightened, natural, shaved, mohawked, shaved again, um, locks, uh, braids, everything. And being told by someone, by a white person in college when I had my hair bra- braided, Oh, you have your hair braided. You, you want to be like Bo Derek? What? <laughs> Say the what now? Dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I said, okay, that's amazing. Th- that's amazing. In, and- in case anyone doesn't know, Bo Derek is a white person who appropriated wearing braids yes. from black people, like people do when they go to the Caribbean and right. they get their hair braided on vacation. Yeah, she that's did that. Bananas. Yeah, that was bananas. Have you ever gotten into wigs though? I have not worn wigs. I've not. I've never had wigs, extensions, or weaves because I have always had an abundance of hair and mm. didn't really have to. And for a long time, didn't understand it really. And also, I feel like I grew up um, trying to be proud of hair, of mm-hmm. the hair we had. And so it wasn't really popular in my family, but I did have family members who did put wigs on because they say, no, my hair is not straight and I have to go to church. And then would put a wig on and put a hat on top of the wig. 
because that was really getting dressed up. Oh, man. Um, so, no, I haven't done a lot with wigs. And I feel like at this point in my life, it would make me look really like a real old lady. Um, you know what? I I feel like it would sort of age you a bit, too. I think there's something youth, youthful about you having your, like, shaved head. In its natural color state yeah. also, because yeah. I've also had my hair blonde and red and purple. And... I mean, but you're, you're like Benjamin Button aging anyway, so get out of here with that. Oh. My my like forehead wrinkles. I'm looking at yours and it's like smooth. It's like a freaking skating rink, and mine are like I look like a Sharpay. Surely you just that's crazy. I'm always going like this in the mirror to my face, pulling it up, <laughs> thinking if you had hair, you could actually pull it up tight, and that would be like a little facelift. Well, I'm very interested in wigs, so if there is anyone in the lace front community who wants to um teach me about wigs. I am very intrigued. It started with her love of Merkins. But <laughs> it's so true. Tell me about your hair experience. I mean, similarly to you, I have done literally it all. So I've had like every color, every style, every length. I've had a perm. I've had it straight. My natural hair is sort of like a wavy texture, like I was saying. But, you know, I have sort of thin hair. And so as a person who's on the blonder side of the spectrum with thin hair, I've always just wanted to do something to it. And um, and I always do. So um, sort of one of the jokes like that I used to have at my old job was people would, used to say, oh, it's the midwife with the purple hair. And they'd be like, well, now it's the midwife with the pink hair because I just was always <laughs> changing my hair color. Um, you know, for me, uh, and I think for a lot of people that um, like are white or again are more femme or identifying more as the female sort of perspective, if you're losing your hair, it's really stressful. Um, I tend to lose my hair a lot. I lose a lot of hair. I have hypothyroidism um, and I've had all kinds of weird diets that I've done and mm -hmm. all different kinds of things that have done no service to mm -hmm. my hair growth. Um, so I'm always losing my hair. It's if you're a Dashboard Confessional song, you'll know uh, um, if you're a Dashboard Confessional fan, you'll know the song um, Screaming Infidelities. Uh, your hair is everywhere. Screaming Infidelities. That's me. My hair is literally everywhere. Like sometimes I'll look at my husband and he'll just have like a trailing one of my hairs attached to his beard. It's just it's crazy. So um, so Not that's something. Not you personally, but y'all, your hair is everywhere, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. folks, I, at work, it'll be like on the desktop that, right. we're on a, on a, that we share. And I'm like, whose hair is this? Get this out of here. Yeah. And yeah, we have a thing about hair and we don't want hair around our food and we don't. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and whereas I think in like with people that are black or in, you know, the person of color community, um, moisture seems to be really important because you have a lot of times curlier hair or coarser mm -hmm. hair. And so for me, and we've we've joked about this again, how PR thought my hair was wet and it was just greasy. Oh, my goodness. That I get funny. I get greasy hair. And so for me, a lot of my hair care is about um, minimizing what I put in it and then also trying not to wash it a lot because I don't want it to fall out. Um, and then living on dry shampoo, which I don't even know, like, have you ever in your life needed dry shampoo? No. Like, I'm, 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 I've never even, like, 
squeezed a blob in my hand. I, I could probably give a full tutorial on dry shampoo. I've tried every one oh um, on the planet. It's my best friend. On any given day, um, my hair, I always say, is kept together 90% with dry shampoo and 10% prayer. So like, just like, hopefully it stays on my head today. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so that's that. Um, I have, you know, had the classic lesbian haircut. Um, unfortunately, I chose to delve into that um, in high school, that very short sort of um, masculine butch haircut. Why was um, it unfortunate? It was unfortunate for me because um, as someone who was discovering their sexuality at that time and sort of like knowing internally that I wasn't totally straight but not really knowing what that meant for me mm-hmm. and then being constantly um, having people tell me that I was a lesbian because of my mm. hair or honestly even like some of the lesbians in my school would be like, oh, well, obviously you're a lesbian. And I, But I wasn't. But first of all, I'm not. I'm queer. And second of all, I didn't know that. So to have people like make those decisions for me mm-hmm. about um, myself based on my hair was like slightly traumatic. I, I really have like some difficult feelings about when I had that short hair. They um, say that about my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but Len, like I sort of touched upon, I've always dyed my hair crazy colors. And for me, um, it's part of my sort of like cultural identity. And then I was like a pop punk kid. I was like a little skater girl. Like I wanted people to be able to see from a mile away that Mm -hmm. I wasn't like some uptight hoity-toity. I was funky and punky. And um, until recently, I didn't realize that it's my whiteness that's allowed me to do that for my whole life. You know, that I can go to work and be a healthcare provider and take care of a 90-year-old woman with purple hair, which is what I currently have. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas... My medical assistant, who's, you know, Latinx, mm-hmm. maybe is pulled into the office and being told like, hey, you can't have that, you know, whatever color in your hair or you right. can't have that facial piercing. Whereas here I am rocking my facial piercings right. and, and tattoos and things like that. Um, and I think I think some part of me knew that sort of subconsciously, but I didn't have to really like face it. Right. Until recently, and um, and I acknowledge that privilege. I mean, every day that I wear my hair, and, and similarly to how I feel about being open with my queerness, I'm very open in the fact that I want people to be comfortable with it. I feel like it's my job as a white person to make you comfortable with it and to show you that I can still be a professional with all these things right. to try to sort of like pave the way for other people. It's like that's that's the role that I must take. So I remember when I started to dread to lock my hair, I was concerned that someone was going to say something about it. And someone did say to me, I did I thought you had bra- I didn't even know that your hair was locked because it's always so neat and you always look so professional. And really, well what does that it's clean and styled and and whatever. And I felt like I had to go that extra step. I couldn't just let it go Bob Marley lock, dreadlock, because uh, people were not already. I have the skin people biased against me because of my skin color. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want them looking at my head and just the total distraction instead of paying attention to the fact that I'm here to care for you. Yeah. Um, where I work now, there is a rule about hair color in our particular area that we're not supposed to color our hair. And someone said that one of the managers said something about it the other day about, well, you're not supposed to have hair color or something to that effect. I don't have hair color anymore. I just have my natural hair, salt and pepper. And I said, 
how would you know? We all wear hats now. We wear hats. We mm-hmm. wear a mask, double mask. Mm-hmm. Everything's covered up. So why would you know and how, and why would anybody care? Yeah. Why would anybody care? And I feel like if the Crown Act passes, then they can't. And that goes for everybody. It yeah. wouldn't just be for black women. It would be for all women mm-hmm. that you can't tell us what to do with our hair. Yeah. And, you know, when you were saying that and you were talking about um, our hair being our crown, I think that also, you know, I can't really speak to this. I'm not a member of this community. But when you look at um, women of like the in the Muslim community or women who um, are like Hasidic Jewish women who have their hair covered all the time, it's sort of like equally important. Mm-hmm. Right. So to be able to, without fear of persecution, right. do what you need to do with your hair. Mm-hmm. It's yours, you know. Um, all right, should we take a quick break? I think we should. I think that's that's a lot of food for thought. And we'll come back and talk about hair in other places. Greetings, and this is Wine Time with Grown Ass Woman, an intergenerational conversation with Ife Michelle. I'm sexy. And Sharon Leanne. <laughs> you make me want to add a, a name. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you hit us up. We want to hear from you. Um, again, our email is gawomenspeak at gmail.com. And we're back with the Midwife Crisis Podcast, and we're talking today about hair. And so in the first half, we were talking a lot about hair on our heads and um, how that impacts people culturally. And now we're going to talk a little bit about body hair, okay? And so we're going to talk about uh, the purpose of our body hair and why we have it. Yeah. It's to keep us warm. We're mammals. Right? Mammals need hair to keep us warm. And here I thought it was sweaters and coats. (laughs) Um, It protects our heads from the sun's rays and 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 which is would explain why my people have the hair we have and we come from hot places. Mm -hmm. Um, It keeps sweat out of our eyes. Eyebrows and, you know, eyelashes, things like that. And those are important. And when people don't have them, it's an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, It keeps moisture on our skin. And protects our precious, precious genitalia, otherwise known as hinterlands, <laughs> from abrasion and chafing. Hair on our underarms and genitals are thought to be related to sexual selection. African glands in the armpits and genitals emit odors unique to every person. And um, the hair in the area traps and amplifies the odor and may help attract members of the opposite sex, like pheromones do in animals. It may help attract members of the opposite sex, said no one. (laughs) Said no queer person. Said (laughs) no one who grew up in the U.S. of black A. Also, interestingly, um, I was reading about body hair, and we're the only mammal where our overall bodies are not super hairy, but we have concentrated hair in like our armpits and groin, whereas a lot of other mammals, they have no hair like in their groin, but they have hair all over the rest of their bodies. So kind of interesting. But of course, with our thermoregulation, we need to be able to sweat to cool ourselves down. If you have a ton of hair, it's not going to allow the water to evaporate. We can't cool ourselves down. So I mean, I think I think there's reasons, obviously, but um, I think it's interesting. So we're on different sides of the coin here. Um, with this issue, <laughs> and and we're going to get into that. And yeah. it's not even a right or wrong. It's just who you are and what you like and what you don't. I can't not 
use deodorant. Mm -hmm. Notice that I said can't not use it. (laughs) I must use it because I otherwise smell like I've been um, running through the woods, through the bush, Mm -hmm. all like for days straight. Like you've been chasing an antelope. It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I am the antelope. It's I find it it's it, it's repugnant to me. I'm that's just how I was raised, and I'm not going to blame that. Um, it just is that I have a fruit that's one of my favorites. It's called parcha, 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 passion fruit. Mm. It's called par- passion fruit. Parcha Puerto Rico is pa- parcha, and in in Colombia is maracuya. Anyways. I love that fruit. As soon as you open it, it's like you open someone's armpit right in your face. <laughs> That's like durian. Have you ever had a durian? I haven't. Okay. So this is a, such a side note. But durian is in a lot of like Asian um, countries, a uh. delicacy. And it's a fruit that's like this big... Um, it almost looks like a coconut or something that when you break it open, it's got these little pods mm-hmm. that are full of this mush that I've it's like overkicked it. onions or something. I've eaten one. I liked it, but it's very malodorous. Like it's even before you break it open, it reeks like in in different hotels and stuff in Asia. There's laws like you can't eat a durian unless you're outside oh, and like <laughs> wow, not so in a public be space because they're like so fragrant. Anyway, well, girl, let me tell you, um, I feel like that about papaya because I feel like it kind of smells like culo. <laughs> and so I don't even I can't even eat it. I have a sensitive nose. That's I'm pointing to my nose because it's very sensitive. Um anyways, you were gonna tell tell us a story about um nursing your baby in your armpits. Yeah. Of armpits. So I found that after having my second baby, he was very bald. My first baby came out with like newscaster, full head of hair, like, yeah, just like looking adorable. My second baby came out looking like Lord Voldemort bald, white. Um, And for anyone who's co-slept, you know that every once in a while, and for me, it was almost every day, you'd wake up super sweaty because it's like you got this little heat factory next to you. You're a heat factory. And if you're nursing, the baby's kind of like in your armpit. And I suddenly, you know, at this like 3 a.m. panic sesh started being like, oh, my God, I'm putting deodorant in my armpit. And then it's absorbing through my little bald baby's head. And like, what is all that aluminum doing to like his little forming body? And I just sort of freaked myself out. Um, And also, I smelled 100% like a goat. That kid broke me. (laughs) Like, you're like, oh, I smelled like I was running through the bush. Like, I didn't even smell like a human. Like, it's insane. I couldn't stand, like, to be near myself. And it was, like, so bad that I would, like, wash myself. And I'd be like, I still smell it. Like, what's happening? Um, Those um, apocrine glands for me got nuts, crazy. And I had to figure out what to do to be comfortable with myself. Um, I began experimenting experimenting with natural deodorants, which for anyone out there who's used a natural deodorant before, some of them are great. Some of them do literally nothing. You might as well just be like doing nothing. Um, And so I tried all different types to find what worked for me. And what I found was they really only worked when it was right on the skin. which meant after a 24-hour call shift, if I was exercising, you know, I'd have odor if I didn't get the deodorant sort of right where it needed to be. Um, and with a really sensitive skin, I have really sensitive skin, I couldn't shave, I couldn't wax. And so for me, I made the sort of like tough decision to get 
laser laser underarm hair removal. Um, and I hemmed and hawed about it forever because I was like, what if I want my armpit hair? Like my armpit hair is part of me and it's I'm a woman and I'm a feminist and I deserve it. Ugh. Right. But I also like knew how I was comfortable and I was comfortable smelling like me, not smelling like de- like a deodorant, not having aluminum in my armpits, not smelling like a goat, just smelling like the person I am. Um, and so it's actually been a gift. I absolutely love it. And um, it's wonderful. So you have uh, no hair under your arms. So I have no hair under my arms. And I also chose to do just my bikini line because, again, um, for people who haven't heard on this podcast, I have PCO, um, which comes along with a little bit of insulin resistance. And you can get um, little like ingrown hairs. You're more Mm -hmm. susceptible to getting cysts and things like that. And Mm -hmm. it was just uncomfortable for me. And so I chose to do a little bikini, but like I didn't take it all off because I was like, someday I might want those pubes. Someday I might want like full bush, you know, and I just wanted to be able to have the options. I can't with you. I know. They actually thought I was nuts. But, you know, I mean, here's here's all I'm going to say. At the end of the day, I can always wear a Merkin. Oh, you know? she had to bring that thing I just, back I'll in. put like sideburns on my groin just to like have a little something there. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. But it just, you know, I do have to say I have had a lot of, um, it was conflicting feelings for me because if you're part of the feminist community, if you're part of the queer community, all these um, groups where sort of worshiping your body hair and worshiping your body the way it is 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 so encouraged that I felt like, oh, am I doing a disservice to myself or to other people, you know, in my community by getting rid of the hair? And so it was really like a really hard decision for me. But I can say with assuredness, I'm thrilled about my armpits. Well, that's good. I've never <laughs> had any of that. My sister had laser and it she had the effect that happens to black people sometimes and that it's the skin is dark. So the hair is gone, but the skin is dark. So she's got permanent five o'clock shadow. So she looks like she has hairy armpits all the time. And she was like, don't do it. And I was like, I don't have that much. I'll just shave it off. It's not that big of a deal. And I did that the other night, actually. I was trying to grooming myself (laughs) in anticipation of an upcoming trip. Not with any, any about anything special. I just always do that when I go on trips. And so I shave my pits and I shave my legs and that's... Oh, you know what? Just like trim this little hairline here. But it was underwater because I was in a (laughs) bath. And so when I stood up out of the tub, I looked down and it looked like a three-year-old had taken a razor (laughs) to my crotch and tried to like do scribble scrabble all over it. And I said, what did you do? And so I had to... Um, I had to tidy it up and take <laughs> off a lot more than I was interested in taking off. But anyways, that's my little funny story. Um, let's talk about history. In Egypt, you know, people would remove all of their hair. People, I'm sure you've seen these pictures, these Egyptian pictures, all of their hair except their eyebrows. Mm. And in ancient Rome, women would remove all of their body hair in order to look clean. Because, I, you know... There is some thought that certain um, groups of eth- certain ethnic groups do have more hair on their mm-hmm. bodies. They have like hairier arms as women and hair on their legs and that kind of thing. Um, so and somehow that's associated with hygiene. And, and in my case, it is, but not for everyone. And so that's a serious stereotype. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, 
one that persists, actually. Yeah. Um, in 1915, Gillette led a movement called the First Great Anti-Underarm Hair Campaign, encouraging women to shave their pits. And so you know what that does. That, you know, that increases sales of razors mm-hmm. and all of that. During the 40s and 50s, World War II made stockings that, you know, what we were going through economically made stockings difficult to obtain. So women began shaving their legs as well. And so that and so you that's kind of a recent phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, in February 2017, in the the Atlantic published an article titled "The Casualties of Women's War on Body Hair," and she, the author Nadine Ajaka, wrote um, that more than 99 percent of American women voluntarily get rid of their hair. And I said to Kate, "That seems high to me. That percentage seems high." But maybe not. When I think about all the people who are always apologizing, either the hair mm-hmm. is gone or uh, the genital hair, you know, pubic hair is gone or they're apologizing for it not being gone. And But and also that could be anything like they could still have hairy everything, but maybe they wax their eyebrows or maybe they shave their beard or mustache, right. which like peeps out there. If you if you haven't grown over 30 yet, you wait. Yeah. <laughs> Your facial hair is coming still. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I look like a new person every time I handle that. Um, and even though I'm dark, I probably get away with it a little longer than some folks. But some days I take a look and I, I say, oh, no, this has got to go. And I have some aunts who I love so dearly. And they have they have some good, robust mustaches. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them, she said, I'm not going to cut it. I look like my mother and I like that. And I thought, Aww. no. My grandmother should have cut hers, and you need to cut yours. <laughs> I think that's cute. Uh, uh, there was a Belgian study in 2019 of over 4,000 women and men over 15. 75% of the women reported removing pubic hair for comfort during oral sex. 60, and I don't know, they should have said, what did the men say? It was probably 100% of the mm. men um, for you know, performing sex on the woman. said it made them feel more feminine. 63% said they like to feel soft. And 62% said their partner liked it. But I bet if you surveyed the partner, it would be more like 89% say that claim to like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I get it. Like, no one wants to be, like, choking on a pubic hair. But at the same time, I feel like you can... hair in my mouth. I mean, my feeling is you can, like, trim it up if you need to, whatever. But again, that's... Everyone is different because maybe there there's also someone out there who like loves your super long pubic hair and wants them like like rubbing on their cheeks as they go down on you. And like, that's beautiful. No, and I think that's amazing. Listen, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. <laughs> God. Every time I watch basketball with my family and every time I see James Harden, who has a beard down to here, and I say to my sister and my mother, imagine that between your legs. <laughs> it's like having a little furry animal <laughs> down there with him uh, and they say you why do you just say anything <laughs> you're always saying anything and I was like that's what I think every time I see him like like in WAP Cardi B you got a beard I'm trying to wet it <laughs> yeah. yeah Ooh, no <laughs> I like beards but not like down your chest or whatever Anyways, at one time I was in a conversation with someone who purports to be a, she's a nurse, and she purported to be a feminist. And she said, um, men just want you to shave down there so that you can look like a little girl, and it's disgusting. And so I had a conversation with my oldest son, because we talk about 
just about anything. And I said, tell me about that. Like, do you prefer hair or no hair? He said, I prefer no hair. And I said, well, and I told him what the woman said. And he said, that is ridiculous. That's Mm. the most, he said, when I'm not even around little girls, I've never seen a little girl baby naked, except for his sister when, and he was a kid then too. He said, when would I see that to say that's desirable? I connect that with my sexual pleasure, that Ugh. vision. He said, "That's she should be ashamed of herself for saying that. Yeah. And so I thought that that was a really interesting perspective. And I appreciated him telling me that. And I said, if I get in that conversation again, I'm going to verbally beat her up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, there probably is someone who that applies to. But I think that's very not the majority and also gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as healthcare providers, I think we need to sort of uh, be of the notion that whatever makes the person comfortable, right? So we need to let people do what works for them, what's culturally working for them, what's sexually working for them, what makes them feel feel good. Um, you know, many times patients, usually my cisgendered female patients, mm-hmm. will come in and they will apologize like, oh, I forgot to shave or, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, like I missed this area or whatever. And I always tell them, stop apologizing for your body. I don't know of a situation in which a cisgendered male patient goes in and is like, I'm so sorry about my body. Like, no, they're like, right. do your job, healthcare right. provider. Yeah, I got hair. So what? And hurry up. Should I cough now? hour later right exactly so i'm just like i want to i want like a little thing that i wear on my crown i'm going to make a crown that says stop apologizing for your body and just wear it all the time so they'll (laughs) pop up between their legs and just point to it um because i don't need your apologies i love you and accept you exactly how you are no we don't yeah and honestly sometimes we see women um that do you know tend to groom a lot that can come in with awful cysts with abscesses Mm. ingrown hairs scarring from you know removing hair irritated labia minora where they'll be like oh i just feel like my labia minora is too big because it's like rubbing weird meanwhile Mm. they have not a stitch of pubic hair (laughs) and i'm like maybe if you had some pubic hair it would provide a little cushion to protect your labia so you know i don't you know and people can also have recurrent vaginitis when they get rid of all their hair and infections Mm -hmm. and so i tell people you need to do whatever you want but in some instances it's there for a reason it protects the skin it keeps moisture in it helps balance everything i mean there's there's nothing wrong with pubic hair well you know the other issue about that is when you when you take that hair off, you also leave yourself open to uh, different Absolutely. bacteria and infections and viral issues. Absolutely, yeah. And so that's something to be careful of. I used to have patients coming in, come in, and I would say, "Wow, that is clean." And they would say, "I got a Brazilian." But here's the thing: it seems like it's always wet. And I said, "It's literally." weeping <laughs> it's crying that it's being abused your your labia your mons your vulva it they're they're begging that's the, that's how they're talking to you they're saying please show me some mercy i said it's weeping yeah. really it's literally weeping and they said really i said try st- stop for a while and see what happens it's true your body feels like oh my god i need to make so much more moisture and so now you're just like you're just snail trailing <laughs> 
Um, you know, the other thing I did want to just mention, too, is I see all the time these poor, sweet pregnant women come in. You're talking about your like hack job on your pubic hair. I mean, talk about a hack job. They can't see anything. They're going by feel. They come in and you're like, whoa, you know, there's like a couple long ones. There's a bald patch. I mean, like, listen, just leave it. Like a lot of people will be like, I didn't want to deal with it postpartum because there's a lot of bleeding and I don't want like blood to be stuck in the hair, which I get. But let me tell you something. I'm not shy. If I'm down there and I'm trying to do sutures and there's too much hair or something, I will take a pair of scissors and say, you know what, I'm just going to trim this a little bit so that I can, you know, get your sutures in here really good or, you know, because there's a lot of blood here and I'll just do a little trim for you. And I can see it and I'm happy to do it for you. But you do not have to prepare. We have come a long way from the days where you go into the hospital and they forcibly shave Shave off all of your pubic hair. And then stick some water up your butt and give you an enema. All of that's gone. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about that. Well, it's you've said you've covered it. (laughs) I've covered it. Covered it like a merkin. Oh, my goodness. She's obsessed. I'm just trying to like, like, you know, get a little rise out of her. Yeah. Um, And she is getting a rise. (laughs) She's getting a rise out of me for sure. I I also say to them, can't your partner do it for you? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I wouldn't trust them. You know who did you know who did mine the day that I went into labor? My sister, my poor sweet sister, I rolled up to her house and I was like, I'm having a baby today. And earlier that day, if for anyone who's been, um, you know, term or post term trying to get a baby out, one of the things you do sometimes is to have sex. Mm -hmm. And I had had sex earlier that day. And she said, I swear to God. If anything leaks out of you onto my arm, <laughs> I will never talk to you again. And I was like, okay. And she's just down there trimming my pubes Because what goes in has to come out, as we tell patients all the time. True love. I have to say, my um, sister, she's a nurse, and she is cool as hell, um, but she's not into vaginas. <laughs> and so I bet it's true, true love for yeah. her to go in and, and, sh- and shave my hair she off said, for me. I'll do it, but I don't want to see one <laughs> little... <laughs> one little flagellate. <laughs> if something swims out of you, one little you're, swimmer. You're dead to me. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Um, so in the LGBTQIA plus community, again, hair is such a huge part of the culture. So there's, of course, this myth, which I had um, sort of touched on, of the short-haired lesbian. You know, people will be like, why do all lesbians have short hair? Do all lesbians have short hair? Hell no. No. You know, like, no. Um, But hair can be a form of gender expression. So it can signify being more femme or more butch or, you know, however you're feeling, whether you're non-binary, whether you're cis, whether you're trans. Um, You know, many trans males and non-binary people who tend towards the more masculine revel in hair growth once they get on testosterone. You know, how exciting it must feel to finally have those sideburns you want, that beard you want, that chest hair, that belly hair, you know, all these signs that sort of show um, the sexual changes in a a male. It's a manifestation of who you feel you are, who you are. Yeah, which is I'm um, I mean like it like when just talking about it makes me so happy and I'm so glad that yeah, we can like help patients too. have that. Yeah. Um, for some non-binary people, hair can be a frustrating way in which people gender you, right? Yeah, so they might be like, "Sir," and you're like, "Cool, cool, I'm a lady," you know, and and that happens all the time. And and we've touched upon this. This is why you never assume someone's pronouns. This is why you ask the person their name or you ask the person their pronouns. You don't just go ahead and gender them. Um, and I think it's important just to point out real, real cl- quick this slip of preferred pronouns because preferred implies that 
you're you're just wanting to say that about yourself, not that's who you are. You wouldn't say that to a, a cisgendered female, uh, a straight woman. What's your preferred? So true. So, so true. I, right. I do make an effort, just like you just did now, to say your pronouns. Yeah. What pronouns do you use or call yourself? Yep. And um, again, we've talked about this, but for healthcare providers, sharing your own pronouns allows people a safe space to share theirs. Um, and I, if this is new to you and if this is a new part of your care, it's going to be a learning curve because I will tell you, you will have weird looks um, similar to when I ask patients if they have male, female, um, both, both or other right. um, with their partners. A lot of times people will be like female and they'll be like, no, 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 wait, I'm a female. I mean male. And they get like all like flabbergasted because they're not used to being asked that. And and yes, that can be uncomfortable, but for a few people to get uncomfortable so that everyone is included right. in that is is worth it. So you just have to get used to having that discussion. And you know what? If you fubble the words or if you, you know, get confused or whatever, we've talked about it. You acknowledge it, you move on, you do your best. Yeah, you ask forgiveness and you try to do better the next time. When you know better, you do better. That's right. Because it will happen that sometimes you get twisted I mean, we get twisted just speaking English or Spanish. Well, you don't speak Spanish, but yeah. Un poquito. Please don't, don't do that again. <laughs> don't do that again. Okay, so what's um, our takeaway? Hair. Hair. Well, you cannot touch it, but you may admire my hair. I love that. And, you know, no matter what your hair preferences are, I think we need to respect them. I think we need to understand that there may be culture, there may be religion, there may be, you know, importance to it for each and every person. And we need to, again, meet them where they are, right? And accept that and work with them. Um, because patients and, and people are going to ask us what we think about hair. And it's important that we have a really open-minded view on it. My other takeaway is um, try to say something kind about someone um, when you encounter them. Just one little kind thing. It could be from I like your socks all the way to I like your hair. Mm -hmm. it, yes. It means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, we like to thank the Baobab Tree Studios, our friends, our family, um, and all of you who make this podcast possible. Thank you, Kenny Blackwell, for our theme song. And we'd like you to please be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen, like, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Midwife Crisis Podcast, or email us, please email us, at midwifecrisispodcast at gmail.com. And we love comments. We love input because it influences the topics that we talk about. And we want to give you what you're looking for. So until the next time. Stop apologizing for your body. And wash your damn hands. Bye. Adios. Bye.